are just not seeing that benefit um, in these sites from Lethbridge up to Edmonton. And um, while everything maybe hasn't been exactly typical, um, it's not that unusual what we're seeing either. So we are not seeing that benefit. And um, this is supporting that earlier work. So the more evidence we build that says there isn't a benefit, I, I think we need to start listening to that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Growing Point Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Boychin. As always, our goal with this podcast is simple, to provide Alberta farmers and agronomists with timely, relevant, and valuable agronomic knowledge through interviews with experts in various fields of agriculture. So in this episode of the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Sherry Stridehorse, who works with Alberta Ag and Forestry. Uh, We talk about her research on early applications of fungicide in wheat. So early applications as in applying fungicide at that herbicide timing. But her research extends beyond that, going into different timings that may align with uh, PGRs um, and, and looking at flag leaf timings as well as head timings. So we talk about previous research in this area uh, and then her research and what she's seen from it so far. Um, so I hope you find a lot of value from this podcast and enjoy. Well, good morning, Sherry, and thank you for joining me this morning. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, you're so welcome, Jeremy. I'm happy to be here. So many of our listeners will very likely know who you are already, but for those who don't, uh, could you introduce yourself and let us know where you work and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm Dr. Sherry Stridehorst, and I am a serial agronomic research scientist. I work for Alberta Agriculture, and I am based out of Barhead. I imagine at this point you're probably well underway getting getting the 2020 field season ready. Are, are you deep in that right now? How's that looking? Absolutely. We, we are prepping for seeding. You know, fields are starting to get a little drier. A couple soil samples were taken last, yesterday, actually. So things are coming along. We're busy. We're, you know working in a new reality of COVID here and how that's going to impact plots, but we are still proceeding with the field season for 2020, so we're all really excited about that. That's good to hear. It's good to hear that, I mean, this this research is important. Um, Farming needs to continue, so the research supporting that farming is is just as important, so I'm glad to hear that's that's continuing to to move along. Um, But we are here to talk about a specific research project that you're you're working on, um, and that is revealing visiting the value of early season fungicide. So maybe could you um, give me an idea what the basis of this research direction was and why we're revisiting this topic now? Absolutely. And I I think it's been very timely. Um, To manage leaf disease, many growers are applying a sublethal rate of fungicide tank mix with herbicide at an early growth stage. And To translate that, that's where agronomists and growers are increasingly using that half rate of tilt um, tank mixed with their herbicide at herbicide timing. And at, you know, approximately $3 an acre, it gives growers a peace of mind um, and makes them feel like they're managing their cereal crops at an advanced level. And growers consider this convenient, uh, low-cost practice. Um, But sadly, previous studies have found that it doesn't result in significant yield or economic benefit. And and so there's the economic loss for that for the grower or, or lack of value from it. But um, over time, the 
the thing that's concerning is that this can accelerate fungicide resistance and make current fungicide tools ineffective. So one of the key components of this project is um, extension messaging uh, in which we're promoting good fungicide stewardship principles and we want to prevent the development of fungicide resistance. So just to be clear to our audience, um, the purpose of this project is really not to promote early fungicide use. We understand that numerous Alberta farmers are making early fungicide applications at that herbicide timing, but it's not supported by previous research. And we want to make sure that farmers are making the best use of their input dollars while still protecting their crops. So essentially, we're redoing this earlier work that was done um, in the early 90s, but we're, we're putting the modern spin on it. We're conducting it with modern cultivars, so we're using varieties with disease-resistant packages that many farmers are using today. We're using no-till systems. Um, we're u- conducting this research on fields that have that tight canola wheat rotation that is commonly being used by the jo- majority, not everyone, but many Alberta farmers. And in redoing this research, we're trying to determine if this same lack of yield response is occurring with fungicide, early fungicide applications, and we want to update and promote extension activities to prevent the development of fungicide resistance. So we do have a, a, another twist that we're taking when we redo this research. Um, we want to look at the possible benefits associated with early, but maybe slightly later fungicide applications in more intensified wheat production systems. So what do I mean by this early but slightly later fungicide applications? I'm referring to fungicide applications made at growth stage 30 to 32. So that's um, early stem elongation. It's occurring in that early June period. And it typically occurs about two weeks after your herbicide application timing. And therefore, it's about two weeks after that traditional early fungicide application that we've considered with that half-rated tilt at herbicide timing. When there's a little bit more leaf um, out there, and a little more chance for disease protection. And this growth stage 30 to 32 coincides with a gibberell and PGR application timing. It's the end of tillering and the beginning of stem elongation. So if an intensive grower is planning to make a manipulator PGR application, we want to know if they can benefit by tank mixing the PGR with the fungicide. We've heard anecdotal evidence that suggests there could be yield benefits associated with a group 7 fungicide application at this PGR timing. Now, as the purpose with all good research, we're not trying to promote this practice, but we really want to, in this study, determine its true yield and economic benefits or lack of benefits. So an added consideration or twist on this project is that producers are probably looking for means to tank mix PGRs and fungicides to reduce the number of passes they're making over the field. And as such, in this study, we're testing that combined application of PGRs and fungicides at growth stage 30 to 32 or early stem elongation. So as I've suggested in my earlier comments, one of the goals of this project is to educate producers about the risks of fungicide resistance. Now, I'm sure all Alberta farmers are aware of herbicide resistance, but sadly, fungicide resistance needs to be put on their radar as well. 
Now, there are a few global examples of fungicide resistance to major Western Canadian cereal pathogens. Um, so this is the first example I'm going to give has actually been done in a lab where um, they have created Fusarium graminarum resistance to Tebuconazole or group 3 fungicides. So very concerning that that can be done in the lab because if it can be done in the lab, nature's going to do it eventually. Um, then stripe rust isolates um, in the UK are found to be less sensitive to group 3 fungicides. And then our leaf spots, our septorias, our tan spots, um, are showing resistance to group 11 fungicides or our strobies in many parts of Europe. And in Europe, tan spot is displaying cross-resistance, so resistance to both group 3 and 11 fungicides. So since we only have two main modes of action, our group 3 and our group 11 fungicides, for controlling fungal diseases in Alberta cereal crops, these multiple instances of fungal pathogen resistance are very concerning. Now, the final reason we're revisiting this topic is that producers need that unbiased third-party research to help support their agronomic decisions and input purchases. Um, and that's why we're conducting this research in a system that is trying to best mimic current farmer practice using sound scientific principles. We're using those newly registered wheat cultivars. We're growing them um, under zero till with high input management, so we're using high nitrogen rates, we're using PGRs, and we want to truly assess um, the yield quality and economic benefits of those early versus early but slightly later versus flag leaf versus head timing fungicide applications. Well, just looking at what we have right now in terms of resistance for weeds, I mean, we're a country that has one of the highest uh, herbicide resistant weed populations um, and then if we if we happen to also add fungicide resistance on that the complexity um, of decision making around pest control then becomes that much more complex and yeah I think they they deal with quite a few issues in, in the UK region already because of the amount of, of herb or fungicide that gets applied so um, the longer we could prevent that um, the better off we are if we can find ways around that and, and not get down that direction um, I think is a, is a positive to our industry um, so could you um, could maybe uh, delve in a little bit more? I mean, you mentioned there was some, some research in the past that had looked at some of this. Could you maybe identify a couple of these that may relate to, to what, we've, what we may see in, in Alberta? Certainly. Um, so previous studies have really supported the finding that fungicide applications at herbicide timing do not result in a yield benefit. Um, so there were studies conducted in Western Canada that have shown that tilt or propiconazole applications at that herbicide timing, that two to six leaf staging, had really little impact on barley yield. And that was work from Kelly Turkington in 20, uh, 2004 and 2015. And then I think kind of the, the real baseline in wheat is that they conducted studies in Saskatchewan um, in the early 90s on spring wheat using the varieties Catapua and Fielder. And they found that the most effective fungicide applications were made at that growth stage 41 to 75, which is from the time when that flag leaf is extending to medium milk stage. And they compared that with that um, that 
one to three leaf staging, that early tiller, one to two tiller timing, and that PGR timing, and they found that none of those actually had a yield advantage. And so we've seen that on older cultivars. We've seen that in wheat. We've seen that in barley. Um, and that's why we're really revisiting this to just confirm that what we've seen in the past is still true, given some of the genetic changes and shifts in our production systems. Is there, is there areas where we actually have seen a benefit to this timing? Is there, is there global areas where the environment actually does see a benefit from this? Uh, that's an excellent question, and I know um, it, it is done in other parts of the world, but I'm not sure if there is that third-party unbiased research showing that. Um, so I, I sadly can't comment on, on that. That's okay. Uh, so... Jumping into maybe more specific of your research then, could you give us a breakdown of locations, varieties, treatments, and, and what this looks like in terms of what diseases we're looking at? Absolutely. So this was um, a two-year project. So we conducted field trials in 2018 and 2019, and we conducted them throughout Alberta. So we had four locations. We had um, down south a Lethbridge site under irrigation, a site at Red Deer, and then a site at Bonacord, um, just outside of Edmonton and Barhead. So at the end of the study, we have eight site years of data. And in terms of the varieties that we used, I did mention that we're using modern varieties. So we are applying these fungicide treatments to two Canadian Western Red Spring Wheat cultivars, or CWRS cultivars, the first one being Brandon Wheat. So that variety was registered with CFIA in 2013, so it's about seven years old, and um, it was grown in 2018 on 36% of the spring wheat acres, and 42% of the spring wheat acres in 2019, so really a dominant variety that a lot of growers are familiar with, so making the results of this really applicable to um, so many growers throughout the prairies. And the next variety that we put these fungicide treatments on was Viewfield. Now, this was registered with CFIA in 2016, so it kind of represents three years of breeding progress. And in 2019, it was grown on 6% of spring wheat acres. So this variety is growing in acres and um, also one that many more intensive growers are familiar with. Now, these two varieties have different genetic resistance to leaf rust, stem rust, loose smut, common bunt, and fusarium head blight. However, both cultivars have an I, or an intermediate rating, for leaf disease. And now that may sound rather good, but we have seen, under intense disease pressure, dramatic yield increases on these two cultivars with fungicide applications where we have good disease pressure. So we did some preliminary work on these two cultivars in 2017, and to refresh everyone's memory, 2017 was a great year for disease in the Edmonton area. And we found that despite this I or intermediate rating of resistance for leaf disease, we measured yield increases between 13 to 21 percent with fungicide application compared to the untreated control. And we saw the amount of leaf disease um, on the leaves being reduced by 28 to 30 percent in response to fungicide treatment. So really, these are varieties that when there is disease pressure, they respond incredibly well to fungicide. So, so those are the new cultivars we're using. And then we have 13 fungicide treatments. And we're looking at these fungicide um, treatments being fungicide rates, 
um, application timings, and various modes of action. So um, the early fungicide application is one component of a larger uh, project. And to give you an idea of this overall project, we're looking at fungicide applications at that herbicide timing. So that's kind of from that three to six leaf stage up to two tillers. And then at the PGR timing, which is growth stage 30 to 32, or that early stem elongation timing, and then our classical flag leaf timing, and then our fusarium head blight timing, which would be early anthesis when we see 10 to 30% of the anthers out on the head. So those are the timings that we're looking at in this study. Then we have um, three different fungicide products in the study. The first being tilt, that group three fungicide, and that's that common practice where we're tank mixing a half rate of tilt with the herbicide. Then we're looking at Trivapro, and um, that's actually a fungicide with multiple modes of action being group 3, 7, and 11. And it can help um, mitigate fungicide resistance because of these multiple modes of action. Now, some of you may not be overly familiar with group 7 fungicides, and group 7 fungicides are the succinase dehydrogenase inhibitors, and they're a relatively new mode of action for cereal crops. So they have been used in other crops, um, primarily pulses. Um, it's a component in lance, so on your canola and your pulses for a few years in Canada. But for cereals, it's a bit of a new thing. So um, the Group 7 product um, in Trivapro is Silentinol. And Syngenta reports that the Silentinol component of Trivapro offers an extra 7 to 10 days of added leaf disease protection. So if we think that most of the common fungicides we're using give us 14 days of protection, Trivapro would give us between 21 to 24 days of leaf protection. So we can see that if we apply this um, fungicide at a PGR timing, it just might actually get us to that flag leaf timing. And that's maybe one of the reasons why we're, we're more interested in um, using a product like this for its extended protection window, but also its fungicide resistance management tool aspect. And the third fungicide that we're using that we're not going to touch on the results of this is uh, Procero XTR, a group three fungicide, and that offers both leaf disease protection and fusarium head blight protection. So the next component of this project is we're comparing single, dual, and triple fungicide applications. Um, so I think single fungicide applications are fairly straightforward, but by dual fungicide applications, I mean we're putting on a fungicide at PGR timing and then following that with a Procero application at early anthesis um, to get that leaf and the FHB protection, or then comparing that with the classic dual fungicide application at flag leaf timing versus head timing. And we're going to the edge of crazy with the triple fungicide applications, looking at fungicide at herbicide timing, flag leaf timing, and, compare, and early anthesis. So those three fungicide applications, or looking at a triple fungicide application package that would be at PGR timing, flag leaf timing, and anthesis. Now, we, we of course want to look at the diseases in this study. We look at both the leaf diseases or foliar diseases and fusarium head blight. Now, we, we go into rating leaf diseases um, using a methadone disease rating scale, and we rate disease two weeks after the last fungicide treatment. So that's kind of the end of when we have that fungicide protection. And this um, corresponds to milk stage. And we look at the amount of disease on the bottom third, the middle third, and the top third of the plant. And we get a qualitative assessment of how much disease is present and how much did that fungicide protect us. 
Now, in Alberta, the most relevant foliar leaf diseases are that Septoria, Stagnosporia, leaf blotch complex, and tan spot. And these diseases are collectively referred to as a leaf spot complex complex and they have really similar symptoms and we need laboratory analysis to determine the exact causal agent. But the nice thing is is that these um, foliar leaf disease fungicide products will protect against that entire complex. So the other thing that we do is we actually look at flag leaves and we scan them using a software program from the American Phytopathological Society to get a quantitative assessment of the amount of leaf disease. So we're looking, we want to really know, um, are these fungicides reducing the amount of leaf disease? And we are doing an additional assessment to just confirm what species are on there. So we're working with Dr. Ji Feng. He's a research scientist in molecular plant pathology um, at Alberta's Crop Alberta Diagnostic Lab with Alberta Agriculture to just clearly identify the pathogens that we do have there. And although not related to early fungicide applications, um, we do assess fusarium head blight, or FHB, in this study, looking at fusarium damage kernels um, and a dawn analysis. So um, in terms of results, what we have seen is that the fungicide applications resulted in significant differences in leaf disease levels in all site years. So um, maybe the, the part that's going to disappoint some of our audience is that those fungicide applications made at herbicide timing with that two to six leaf up to two tiller stage, we had the same amount of disease as what we did in the untreated control. So that wasn't actually offering us that protection. And similarly, we saw that those fungicide applications at early stem elongation when we're applying that um, gibberellin PGR-like manipulator, when we put the fungicide on at that time, the same amount of disease as the untreated control. So this really suggests that there's no value in those early season fungicide applications at those herbicide or PGR timings. And we really are discouraging growers from making fungicide applications at these early growth stages. So that's at those early growth stages, but we do see considerable reductions in the amount of leaf disease when we apply fungicides at flag leaf timing or at that early anthesis timing. So, um, you know, timing is just so critical, um, what we've seen here. And just to maybe further hit home the lack of benefit we're seeing from those earlier fungicide applications, um, when we looked at the dual fungicide applications, we always had less disease um, when we had that first fungicide application at flag leaf followed by that early anthesis. But if that first fungicide application was made at a herbicide or PGR timing, we didn't see any less disease. So again, this highlights that lack of benefit from those early season fungicide applications. It, it, it really, I mean, the way you're describing it, it really feels like it, it's that coverage aspect. As much as, you know, <clears throat> we're talking about this group seven, um, uh, Trivia Pro, which gives us an extra seven to 10 days. So they claim, um, you know, and that's getting us into that, that flag leaf timing. But just because you're getting those extra days, um, maybe it's that coverage aspect of, of it's not actually covering that leaf to protect it from that disease moving on to that um, that leaf area. Is that is that's kind of what I'm getting from that? Does that does that align with what? Um, yeah, there's just so little leaf 
tissue at those early stages, when you think when you're applying your herbicide, we are so far away from canopy closure um, that there just isn't the tissue there to protect. And we have to remember that the fungicide isn't going to protect those, those new leaves that are, are coming out. It's protecting those ones that are there. And um, at the end of the growing season, that isn't a, a measurable difference that we're making that. So it might help you, you know, get from your two-leaf stage to your six-leaf stage, but at the end of the day, that doesn't actually matter at the end of the growing season. I, I, I mean, I've, I've had the discussion, you know, we're, we're, we're stopping disease from moving forward early in the season, so it will be a benefit later in the season because there will be less inoculum there to infect the flag leaf, but it, it sounds like we're really just not seeing that in play out in the field. Uh, yeah, and I think we have to remember that disease is always present in that lower canopy. So um, it's always there on those residues and spraying fungicide on um, on seri- or residue or on the soil isn't actually going to eliminate it from your system. You talk about the, the varieties we've used, the inputs that you're putting in. These are, these are disease prone conditions that you're, you're doing these trials in. Um, if, if, if anything, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, these are the situations we're very likely to see disease in. I mean, the past two years, um, at least in the northwestern or even three years past uh, in the northwestern part of the province, um, we've had a decent amount of moisture. You, you would think if there was a time we would see some result from early fungicide, it would be then. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, I, I want to get into some details on, on the rainfall and stuff like that, but we are just not seeing that benefit um, in these sites from Lethbridge up to Edmonton. And um, while everything maybe hasn't been exactly typical, um, it's not that unusual what we're seeing either. So we are not seeing that benefit. And um, this is supporting that earlier work. So the more evidence we build that says there isn't a benefit, I I think we need to start listening to that. So multiple locations from Lethbridge all the way up to the Northwest is, are you seeing any differences between those those two locations? And you mentioned rainfall. Are you seeing any kind of play there in terms of rainfall that, that may create some nuance in these results? Well, I think um, maybe let's just break it down by year first and then within year. Um, so we had the trials in 2018, and 2018 was actually a relatively dry year when I look at the average rainfall compared to the long-term average. On average, for most sites, it was about 80% of the long-term average. And in 2018, um, we did have low foliar disease levels um, with average leaf disease. So when we did those scans on those leaves, we saw that only 2.3 to 3.3 of the leaf surface was actually damaged in mid-August, even under ear. So um, 2018 was maybe a bit of a drier year in in many of um, aspects compared to normal. But um, I think we saw some good learnings from that because um, the fungicides in 2018 didn't result in that yield quality or economic benefits. Um, In 2018, we had less than three inches of rain by flag leaf timing, less than 4.7 inches of rain by anthesis timing. And on Brandon and Viewfield, in these tight, weak canola rotations, under dry land conditions, we didn't see those yield quality or economic benefits. And yes, these results could vary with year cultivar and crop rotation, but I think it's that starting point when we need growers to start thinking about when there's little rain, making a fungicide application is unbeneficial. And um, 
I just want to comment on the fact that um, in 2018, we did see a lot of fungicide use despite these drier conditions. And I think this was driven by the incredible yield responses we saw from fungicides in 2017. And I have to admit that at home in 2018, we did apply some fungicide to our cereal fields, but we can all do better. And some words of wisdom I'd like to share from Dr. Mike Harding is that every unnecessary fungicide application is selecting for fungicide resistance. These diseases may not appear, um, but the fungi are still hanging out at the soil level, level on the lower canopy, and these fungicide applications are causing non-lethal exposure to pathogens hiding low in the canopy. And these unnecessary fungicide applications are really questionable from a sustainability and a resistance management perspective. So you were mentioning that we've maybe had some wet years. Um, Twenty. 18 and 2019 were very different. And we started 2019 um, a little bit on the dry side. We had between 1.8 and 2.4 inches of rain between seeding and mid-June. And um, then the big rain started to come. But um, as you would suspect, kind of some of those drier conditions in May and early June resulted in no yield benefit from fungicide applications that herbicide timing or PGR timing in 2019. Um, things really in 2019 turned around in mid-June when the rains came in north-central Alberta, and they didn't know when to stop. And these high rainfall amounts created great conditions for disease development. Um, so these late June, early June rains um, resulted in extreme disease pressure, and you could see that um, that flag leaf fungicide resulted in much healthier canopies, and we did get significant yield benefits of 12 to 17% from fungicide applications at flag leaf timing. And again, the rains kept coming, and by that early anthesis timing, we saw a 7 to 15% yield increase from fungicide applications made at early anthesis. So I think this data really nicely shows that um, to get a fungicide response, you need the environmental conditions conducive to disease development. They say that rain makes grain, but rain also makes disease. Now, you were commenting on that, some of the extremes between north and south, and um, I think the big thing we saw was that um, at Lethbridge, despite the site being irrigated, um, it had sufficient rainfall, but the low humidity that kind of came along with 2018 and 2019 resulted in no fungicide response um, at any timing, so early or late. And um, the, the big contrast with that was in the central northern Alberta um, areas in 2019 where we showed those classical fungicide responses that we've seen in earlier studies where you get the yield responses from that flag leaf timing, from that early anthesis timing. And the fungicides did, once the rains came, the fungicides did the job and protected the yield. It's just listening to you talk about this process in different locations and different responses and different conditions. It, it really feels like when the question is posed, should I be applying fungicide? The answer really is, you know, it, it needs to be a year by year decision. Um, what you see in one year is not the result you'll see in the next year and the next year. And just because you get a result one year does not mean it needs to be repeated in following years for the next five to 10 years. So I guess for producers then who are asking this question, what steps should they take to make sure they're making the right decision on fungicide application? I think it's really to be watching the rain. Um, as I say with PGRs, um, 
if the rain is not there, Mother Nature will be your protection. Um, there won't be disease if we have dry conditions. And I think it all goes back to that real basic concept of the disease triangle where we need the host that is susceptible, uh, and we know that these wheat varieties that we are growing will be susceptible to the diseases we have in the environment and will respond if the conditions are right. So we have the susceptible host. We know the diseases are present um, in our cropping systems. We know that leaf disease complex is here and it will result in in the disease loss. And the third corner, that's the one piece that we don't know when we start the growing season is what is the environment going to be like. And when we get these rainfalls, it's that last piece of the triangle that completes the system and allows us to see the benefit from these fungicide applications. So one of the things we're working on um, from this study, and while it's not perfect, is kind of looking at um, how much benchmark rain do we need by these different stages to say, really, let's look at a fungicide or, or you know, it's, it's probably not worth it. If you have only two inches of rain by flag leaf timing, I'm quite confident you're not going to use, need a fungicide. But if you have that five, six inches of rain by flag leaf timing, then you really need to be out in the crop. And, and if that rainfall is going to continue and you have those damp, perfect conditions for disease development, it's probably going to make sense. So as you say, it definitely is a year-by-year -year decision. Scout, 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 and see what's going on in that field. Take a look at the rain and and that will be the basis for the decision, yeah. it sounds like. Absolutely. Watch that forecast. And if you have a crop worth protecting and the rainfall is in line, that's everything is lining up. If you have a crop that looks poor, it's, it looks like it has a yield potential of half of what you've usually got, that's because the rain wasn't there and it's not worth protecting with a fungicide and it's just going to lead to more problems in the end. Uh, a fungicide isn't going to... Um, change a poor crop into a great crop is just going to protect what you have sherry thank you so much for this chat this has been informative for me it's been great to hear how things are going with this trial um and uh, i'm sure this won't be the last time we chat on a podcast maybe this year so good luck in the upcoming season is there anything else that you want to add before we before we take off yeah, I really want to acknowledge the funders and the technical assist assistance that I've got to make this project possible. So we've received very generous financial support from the Alberta Wheat Commission, the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission, Alberta Innovates, and Syngenta. Um, so that is critical. But then the in-kind support. We've had tremendous in-kind support from Alberta Agriculture, the University of Alberta, CCAN, Bear Crop Science, and Syngenta. I want to thank the collaborating scientists, Stephen Strelkoff from the U of A, Alan Terry from Syngenta, Mike Harding from Alberta Agriculture, Dune Pauly from Alberta Ag, and Ji Fang from Alberta Ag, and then the technical support. And, and I really need to do a big shout out to the master student who's working on this project. Um, I'm supervising Menor Asif um, at the U of A, and then my technicians, Jackie. Tulier, Susan Jess, 
Chelsea Yeager, and then help from other programs being Alex Fedko, Ryan Gelderman, Amy Oltius, Emily Varga, Simone Delph, Neil Hobson, Melanie Lang, Alan Middleton, Pat Fifner, Colin Enns, and Helena Jauker. So just a tremendous, huge team that's bringing great data together um, to help growers make informed, good decisions for their crops. It's great to hear so many people involved with this, this kind of research. So again, Sherry, thank you so much. Good luck heading into this field trial season, and I look forward to chatting with you in the future. Looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Growing Point Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please take a second to rate and review this podcast, and feel free to share it with all of your friends. This helps us grow and helps us get our message out there. You can also sign up for the Growing Point newsletter by going to albertawheat or albertabarley.com and signing up on our mailing list. This is going to help you stay up to date on all the agronomic information we share through articles, interviews, and the newsletter. See you next time.